Can the media prevent Donald Trump from serving us poison again? This is the Beyond Politics podcast. I'm Matt Robeson. We're, of course, available wherever you get your podcasts and on the Blue Amp channel on YouTube. That was basically the question that was posed to me by Howard Monroe, legendary West Virginia radio broadcaster who invites me on his show from time to time to talk about what's going on in politics. It's a question that we're all continuing to grapple with in the wake of the CNN town hall with Donald Trump last week. It was obviously a complete catastrophe, and it was just everything we've come to expect from Donald Trump. A nonstop barrage of lies and distortions and statements which have already been damaging to America, which have already been damaging to the American people. Distortions about COVID, distortions about the insurrection, distortions about the whole history of the Russia investigation, and everything that Donald Trump did that was so destructive to our country. But the larger question that we're going to have to deal with going forward is, is there any way for the media to deal with Donald Trump, to cover Donald Trump in a way that's fair and does the job of the media and is respectful of our democracy and allows people to make a democratic choice. And look, the people in the United States might choose this person again. They might. And it's not the media's job to stop them. It's not the media's job to make that choice for us. But there has to be a smarter way of dealing with such a destructive force something that's so poisonous for America. So I got into that with Howard. It was an interesting discussion. Please remember to subscribe to Beyond Politics if you're an audio person, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, if you're more of a video type, find us on the Blue Am channel on YouTube. And with that, here's Howard Monroe. I mean, welcome to the show, my friend. Matt, a former campaign consultant, a former congressional staffer, a blogger, a writer, a podcaster, and a reasonably smart man, too. And he's here with us this morning. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. I like the qualification of reasonably. Being smart <laughs> is something you would not want to get out of hand with. It's good to have you here this morning. I, I'm sorry I had to mess up your personal life to get you to come here, but I always enjoy our conversation so much. I I didn't care that I messed up your personal life, so there you go. You, I, you know what? I love I love the boldness there, and it is always my pleasure to be with you and your listeners. And look, teamwork makes the dream work. Luckily, my carpool partners were able to step in, and I'm with you, and I'm not doing the drive to school this morning, which is cool with me. Matt, a couple things I want to talk about. I always enjoy running over a bunch of political things with you. But the thing that's been on my mind the past week has been Donald Trump's appearance on the CNN town hall. Now, nothing surprising about Donald Trump's appearance, because it's what we expect from Donald Trump. He was exactly the way we assumed he would be, spouted his usual lie, ignored the questions from his questioner, and just answered what he wanted to. Confronted with facts, he just ignored them. It was a typical Trump experience. My question is, Whose fault was that? The most interesting analysis that I saw around this came from Will Bunch, who is the Philadelphia Inquirer national opinion columnist. And as soon as I read his piece, I yanked him onto my show. And if people want to check out the full podcast, plug, shameless plug, check out Beyond Politics on audio. You can find it on the Blue Amp channel on video on YouTube. His point was, why blame Trump at this point? We know what he is. At a certain point, like Bill Parcells, the football coach, said, you, you are what your record says you are. The man is what his record says he is. At this point, why not blame, for one thing, the audience? I love our fellow Americans. I do. But the fact of the matter is, 
that Donald Trump still enjoys an average of 42 to 43% approval rating in national polls. And he is still the leading candidate in the Republican primary across polling across states. And there's no getting around the fact that he remains that popular after leading an insurrection. Now, I know that there will be people among your listeners who will object to my last sentence. Don't forget, just please bear in mind, if you are quibbling with the idea that Donald Trump tried to overthrow the government of the United States, that his co-conspirators have now been found guilty of seditious conspiracy, the leaders of the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, along with almost 1,000 other people who have been charged in the Capitol attack. I will not call it a riot because it was not just people running pell-mell, it was people who were planning to go cause mayhem and try to kill Vice President Pence. So that's the point we're at. I think you have to blame the audience. And, of course, there's a healthy of, of blame for CNN, who reasonably could have seen this coming. Howard, if we were in a court of law and we were assigning blame, could a reasonable person have foreseen that this would be a disaster? Yes, a yes. reasonable, responsible person could have. And those people were the people who were responsible for putting it on the air. And so, yes, they, they bear blame. I think I agree with that assessment. I, I blame CNN. That's maybe a period sentence. I don't necessarily blame them for wanting to have a town hall with Donald Trump. For better or ill, he is a leading presidential contender. But I certainly blame them for putting an audience that was nothing more than cheerleaders for him in that room. So that, because we know what Trump does, he feeds off of that. And he spouted his election denial BS, and they all, and he spouted his comments about E. Jean Carroll, and, and then he, and he feeds off that. If you're going to have a town hall meeting with the president, at least either don't have an audience, that might be one way, or have an audience that's fair and balanced or neutral or whatever you want to call it. They brought in nothing but cheerleaders. They brought in nothing but ralliers, if you will. And that's that was the problem. That decision was ridiculous and clearly wrong in every way. Their cover story for why they were doing things that way was so transparently flimsy. Look, you and I can blow it up right now here on the radio. Their cover story was, these are the people who will be deciding the Republican primary in New Hampshire and around the country. First of all, throw the New Hampshire out of there because this is a nationally televised event. It doesn't matter who the primary voters of New Hampshire are. And also, if you really want to get fetishy about it's the primary in New Hampshire, they seem to have conveniently forgotten that in New Hampshire, independents can re-register and vote in the Republican primary and on their way out can re-register again as independents. So the Republican primary is going to draw a lot of independents. Donald Trump's standing nationally among independents is 37%. It is pretty darn low in New Hampshire. It's at about that level. And so the audience they got, even if their BS cover story was true, was not the audience that they said that they wanted. But let's blow it up. The simplest way to blow it up is if their reasoning is we're trying to help the primary voters in the Republican Party decide, answer me this. Why does the audience being supporters or even Republicans being generally favorable to Donald Trump, why does it help? 
to help Republican primaries voters decide. It's stupid on the face of it. If they're trying to make a decision, why have an audience full of Trump supporters? Look, who have, who, who have made up their, who have clearly made up their mind. Who clearly made up their mind. The real reason is very obvious. Donald Trump would only agree to do this if he was in front of a packed house with his supporters, and CNN wanted the money. They wanted the money. They, remember that CNN Plus was a, a flop? They, they pulled the plug. Remember that streaming services in general have lost on the order of $18 billion since 2020, that Time Warner, as a media company, like all media companies, are struggling. They're cutting jobs for reporters, for on-air talent, and they need the money. That's the only reason they did this, and their cover story for wanting to do it was just completely transparently made of tissue paper. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure there is a way to have an honest conversation with Donald Trump. I don't care Mike Wallace or whoever the hardest interviewer you can possibly think of. I, I just don't know. I don't know that you can, that there's any way to rein him in. Therefore, other than spectacle, what's the value of doing an event like this? Let's take a break. We'll be right back. There is no value to doing an event like this. Remember, I was a campaign manager and a chief of staff for a member of Congress in New Hampshire. So I will let your West Virginia radio listeners and our national podcast listeners in on a dirty little secret. The much-celebrated New Hampshire town hall, there's nothing special about it. There's nothing particularly great about the insights that voters get. The New Hampshire primary isn't that special. Look, I love my New Hampshire people. I do. I love them. I'm telling you, I have put on town halls, many town halls in New Hampshire, there's nothing special about them. They're not newsworthy. It's a terrible format for learning about a candidate when they're televised because it becomes just like everything else. It becomes a performative thing for TV. There is some value to meeting with voters and having voters decide. And if you want to do it in a town hall with no cameras on, yeah, there's value for those voters in that room. But to your larger point, no, you can't the answer is that you have to, back in the 80s, there was the book, The Jordan Rules, and there has to be the Trump Rules. We have to have some awareness here, and the media can't defend themselves by saying, oh, we're only helpless stenographers. We just have to faithfully write down everything he says and then report it in our newspapers. That's all we're allowed to do. That's, of course, blatantly false. That is not all that the media needs to do. Remember that the Washington Post documented 30,000. 573 blatant lies over the course of the four years of Donald Trump's presidency. He is a serial liar. Almost everything he says is documentably false. And the only way to deal with him and maintain a free press and maintain a free and active democracy is, I think it's gone beyond what former Chicago Tribune editor Mark Jacob has said, he's been a guest on Beyond Politics on my show, which is that the least you can do is provide the fact sandwich where you provide the fact and then you allow him to make the statement and then you come back in with the correct fact. That is the minimum. I think we have to go to but more that, of a model. That, Matt, that, my frustration is that doesn't even work. That doesn't even work. Because you confront – he says something outlandish. You're the interviewer. You confront him with the facts that contradict what he says, and he says, you're just part of the witch hunt. 
And it's and they've tried fact checking him in real time. Even Chris Wallace, the Fox News host, former Fox News host, has fact checked him in real time. We know from psychological studies that fact checking doesn't really work. The fact sandwich, which is the first line of defense that all media should employ, is insufficient. I think we've gotten to the point where the only way to maintain a free press and have them do the job that they're supposed to do and deal with a figure like Donald Trump is, remember, the big innovation in public health was the Surgeon General's warning on packs of cigarettes. It was, look, we are not outlawing the sale of these products, but we're going to put a Surgeon General's warning on every single pack so that you have to confront the fact that these things will give you cancer. And I think you've got to do the same thing with Donald Trump. You can't allow him free reign in a town hall. And if you're going to put him on the news, if you're going to report about him, you have to blatantly up front confront the fact, put the Surgeon General's warning on it. This is a man who lies in almost everything he said. Everything that he's about to say is demonstrably false. And then you can go ahead and it's like the souped up on steroids version of the fact sandwich. You have to label everything that goes with Trump as likely completely false. And it'll probably give you cancer. The, uh, go back to the audience again. You can achieve some success with those kinds of techniques, confronting him with the facts, coming back with the facts after he calls you a part of a conspiracy. But it's hard to do that in an environment like we saw with CNN's town hall, where the hooping and hollering from the audience joins with Trump in saying that you, the interviewer, are part of the witch hunt. That's the problem. You can't even try to be a responsible journalist because you're already considered by all the people there, and they're going to tell you that out loud and hoop and holler and yell, that you're nothing more than a part of the, what, the deep state or whatever they want to claim this week. So it's tough. I go back to if that audience should never have been there, just should never have been there. You have to make intelligent choices about the way you cover him. So you're 100% right. You can't do town hall. You can't. What they essentially did is that they made a Trump rally. And they slap the word town hall on it, right? right. So the first thing you need to do is you can't cover actual Trump rallies. Don't forget that the major reason that Donald Trump became president in 2016, besides the fact that Hillary Clinton, let's face it, she was not the strongest candidate the Democrats could have put forward. That said, yeah, I think we can agree on that. She had flaws. But – she would not have lied 30,573 times and killed a million Americans by failing to deal with the pandemic and led an insurrection against the United States, among about a billion other things. But the major reason that Donald Trump won, don't forget that Hillary Clinton outspent Donald Trump on TV. We build all of our political campaigns around the idea that spending in media, on paid media, is effective that it works. Look, there's an entire ad industry that's built on that idea. We're, I'm sure, going to take an ad break in a few minutes. And when we do, the, the, your radio station's entire business model is built on the idea that you could persuade people around things <laughs> by dreading advertising. Yeah. Hillary Clinton outspent Donald Trump three to one after Labor Day on TV. Three to one. That is, as a campaign manager, as a reformed campaign manager, I can tell you, that is an absolute crush. That is a dream scenario. I know Robbie Mook, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager. I'm telling you, he was thrilled about that. How was Donald Trump able to overcome that? 
It was because he got, it was estimated about $2 billion worth of free media coverage on cable news. Let me, I want to take a, I really want to pursue that right now, but I need to take a break, not so much for commercials, but for news. Can you hang on a minute or two? Happy to. I, I want to talk about that. How do we cover Trump knowing what he's going to be? And we talk about the confronting him with the facts and the fact sandwiches and so on, but as the media goes forward, do we continue to carry his rallies like we did four years ago, six years ago? Do we? How do we adapt knowing what Donald Trump is now and how he will act? How do we adapt these things? And also, he says he might not take part in any debates. Is that a good idea or not? I got all of that I want to get to. If you've got time, we'll get into it. Matt Robeson is here with me this morning, political commentator, and we're talking about some of these issues. You running a lot of ads in your neck of the woods yet or not, Matt? Nothing like that that special that we just heard on air with you. It's, we don't have quite the same hot. The Joe Manchin race, should he run, is definitely going to be a hot one. That was a heck of an ad. It really it combined all the features of insinuation and uh, outright lying that we're talking about this morning as a general theme of what's coming out of the Republican Party. It was really a gem. Here's the thing. You and I are talking about town hall meetings, and I'm going to talk about debates in a minute, and how do we cover them on television and in the news media and so on. And sadly, it is actually ads like those. We've got Mooney ads coming up here already. I don't, we don't have any justice ads yet, do we, Bob? Not yet. Not yet. We've got Mooney ads. We've got the Mansion ads. The fight there has already begun. It's the battle of the airwaves, Matt, that probably really turns the tide, right? One would think so, but it's right on point with where we left off, which is that it's an article of faith among people in the campaign management profession, the politics profession, that paid media is a major lever. And again, like we were saying right before we went into the break, I mean, there is a whole ad industry built on the idea that you can change people's minds by running ads. I think that there is a lack of evidence around some of this. There's actually, this is this has been very well documented by the author Sasha Eisenberg, a recent guest, fairly recent guest on, on my show, that in a book called The Victory Lab, that actually campaign operatives, and believe me, I count them among my very best friends in the world, we do a lot of these things based on kind of general principles and articles of faith. There's not a lot of science behind it. And yeah, like... Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton outspent him by a whopping margin. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Matt, Matt, I think it's more than how much you spend. It's on how well you spend it. Yeah. And it's the message. And unfortunately, it's the bad message that tends to work. You are going to we are going to see here in this area, for example, Alex Mooney, the radical right wing Republican congressman running for Senate. He is going to attack Jim Justice, the governor, as a liberal, as a rhino, as a Biden supporter, none of which is true and all of which Governor Justice can refute easily. But the problem is in the battle of the air war, the air ads, the charges are easy to say simply and the response is harder to get out. And that's the problem. Yes, absolutely. It's there's actually it's called Brandolini's law on the internet. It's also called the BS asymmetry principle. Okay, I know there, there's a lot of syllables in that. What it means is what you just said, basically. It's a fancy way of saying what you just said, which is it's so much easier in debate in rhetoric to say something untrue and scary 
than to refute it. Take more words to refute it. And at that point, people have just begun to wonder, is there a little kernel of truth of it? And this is, it gets back to the point of why it's so hard to cover Donald Trump. And the very first line of defense, but I would extend this to the entire Republican Party, which I think is where you're going with this. The very first line of defense is you can't just stick a microphone in front of their face and a bunch of sycophants around them and let them go. You just can't do it because it does too much damage. If they want to do that, then let them pay for it. That's what their campaign fundraising is for. The new media can't get in that business of essentially just, like, handing them open mic night. In his first run where he won, Donald Trump was entertaining. I don't think that, but I think that's the phrase that a lot of the media thought, oh, he's entertaining. Look at the funny stuff he does at his rally. It's just that's crazy stuff. And I think the media bought into, hey, let's just cover the rallies. Let's just turn the cameras on. Let's just see what goofiness goes on. I think because there was a belief, surely this guy can't win. But in point of fact, the reality is that we, because we treated it that way, it helped him to win. Absolutely. And remember that polling showed going into Election Day in 2016 that the majority of voters thought that Donald Trump was some kind of a moderate. And it goes to show that there wasn't a real investigation of what he was about. There was a lot of turning it over to open mic nights and in whatever form. So cable news covered his rallies, which they continue to do, although much less so to their credit. And we had the travesties of presidential debates, both primary debates and then general election debates with the moderators flailing to try to create something of any value to voters. And look, we're saddling up for this again. Donald Trump is saying that he may not participate in Republican primary debates this time. And my reaction is, okay, I guess that's that's fine. He doesn't have a lot to, to gain at this point in the Republican primary electorate since he's so far out ahead. But my larger question would be, why are we having these things? Why are they good? It's an article of faith among news media and among the public. Oh, that's just how we do elections, right? You've got to have candidate debates. Really? I think what people are thinking of is some dim memory of learning in history class in high school about the Lincoln-Douglas debate. Yeah, we all go back to the John Kennedy debates in 1960, right? Kennedy-Nixon. Right. That was all. And that was a, that, those debates were very definitive. But I think once you got past that, I don't know that they have been all that effective ever since. And, of course, the more divided we become, maybe divide is not the right word, the more entrenched we're becoming in our own ways of thinking, there's not a lot of room for someone to be persuaded one way or another. Let's take the Kennedy-Nixon debate for just a second. Right result, but was it for a good reason? People who listened on the radio thought that Nixon won those debates. People who looked on TV Sweat. Like the cut of JFK's jib. And Nixon sweated, and, and Kennedy looked young and virile, and that's, that was a big deal. It was, and this is a subject that's been examined by political scientists. Only 10% of voters even claim to researchers that debates influence their vote. And I think that 10% is darn high. It's probably wildly inflated by who bothers to watch such things, which are mostly political junkies. The more likely reality is when Harvard Business School did an international study of this, of debates across something like 42 countries, 
They found that debates do not affect vote choice formation at all. They are not helping voters to make choices. Be clear about this. They are not helping us. Who are they helping then? They're helping the TV networks that are putting them on who get ratings, especially during the writer's strike where they can't put scripted shows <laughs> can't on. Can't put scripted shows on. Yeah, right? And so I question, right here, I am telling you, debates are bad. They're worse than pointless. They're harmful. Look no further than the fact that debates are part of the reason we ended up with Donald Trump as president. They did nothing to help voters make an intelligent choice in the Republican primaries in 2016, away from Donald Trump and toward a relatively sane person. And they are at this point poisoning us. And it's, again, it's, I love you, media. I'm a member of the media, but we got to go back to the source. Those are the folks making money off these things. Debates are bad. Do not watch debates, people. There, I have to take another break, and I don't have time to get into any other issues, except I, you can respond to this text that just came in off our text line. Trump coverage. More is better until he blows himself up. Okay, so the texter is making a very intelligent point, and will be pleased to know, she or he, that they're making the same point that Chris Lick, the CEO of CNN, made in defending the Trump town hall when he said that they were very newsworthy and that they revealed Donald Trump and all of his idiocy and disgusting poisonousness to the American people, and that is doing a service, and then he patted himself firmly on the back. Uh, I would just say to that, that is a dangerous notion, the idea of, let Trump just go, and hopefully the American people will have the discernment to figure it out and see. Yeah, it's how a dangerous notion, Matt, because we did that. We've seen that experiment, <laughs> and you know what? I'm not signing up for the sequel. Exactly, Matt. I got to run. I appreciate your time. People can check your Beyond Politics podcast. It's wherever podcasts are available. Also, the Blue Amp channel for a lot of good stuff over there on YouTube as well. Thank you so much, Howard. Always a pleasure to be with you. All right, talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot.